Welcome to What's My Thesis. I am your host, Javier Proenza. Today, my guest is Hugo Najarian. Is that how you say the last name? Najarian. Najarian. Okay, sorry. Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't read. You know the origin of the word? No. Najar means carpenter, and all Armenian last names end with I-A-N, which means son of, uh, son of. So I am actually a son of a carpenter. Oh, really? My family were carpenters. So I mean, Jesus? No, Najars, but it's better than being a son bitch, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, not Najarian. Yeah, thank you. Well, cool, man. So we know each other. We're fellow Bendix building uh, people. You are a member of Durden and Ray. How long have you been in Durden and Ray? Uh, three years, yeah. I started around the COVID times, 2019, 20. Well, I started in November of 2019, then COVID hit. And, um, you know, it's been great. We, we managed through all the virtual Zoom stuff and virtual shows and, yeah, been with Durden and Wraith about three years now. Three years. What? What? How, can you describe the organizations and how you guys are set up? Because, like for example, Monta Vista, we've got a bunch of members. We're more of a curatorial thing. What do you guys do? I, you know, it's. I think it is a curatorial based idea. You know, to bring in LA, bring in shows of people showing in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, but with COVID, um, it went international. We did a lot of international shows. You know, Max Presnil is, of course, one of the founders of it, and. Um, he kind of spearheaded a lot of international shows. So we did international exchanges where we would go there, they'd come here, and then COVID happened. And it still happened through, um, you know, internet and Zoom virtual stuff. But, um, yeah, it's a curatorial practice, I think. Mm. And uh, we're at 26 now, and, I, you know, we'll shortly be announcing we got four new members um, <clears throat> coming in. So it's kind of pumping right now. There's a lot of great energy. And you guys just had your, um, yeah. your what's it called? Your fundraiser. fundraiser when everything sold. The walls were blank. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. That was pretty wild. And you played some accordion, which you are a musician, so that people know. We were talking a little bit about your guitar collection. Oh, yeah, yeah. What are you, what are you, you said that you had some really good, you, you got some good buys when they were cheap in yeah, the 80s. Yeah, you know, in the 80s, you could pick up the recycler at any you know 99 cents at any liquor store, and it was basically Craigslist. So if you lived in... L.A., Orange County, or wherever you just look up in that area, guitars, musical instruments, and they'd pop up. So, yeah, I got four or five of my gems, which are two really good Rickenbackers from the 80s and Gibsons. And and those are guitars, the Rickenbackers? Six and, yeah, six-string guitar. And actually bass. I got, my friend Neil got a bass Rickenbacker that I now own. But, yeah, it was a you know, fruitful time. And uh, even if you spent 800 bucks, 1000 bucks on a guitar, it was like, oh. But those are worth now ten times that. Yeah. So well, the I mean Rickenbacker, you can't even buy them from like regular outlets. They have them like you, you, Guitar yeah. Center, and what? They, but you have to call to get a price quote. Yeah, they got. They don't one. have like listed prices because I think that they've. I don't know if it's because they fluctuate or whatever. They, but. Well, it takes them a year to make each one, so they do them in batches of. I mean, I've been watching these guys since I'm 16. I love them. I love them. And uh, but back to your point, I, I was trained on the accordion, um, mm-hmm. immigrating from Beirut. There. <laughs> First instrument I learned in La Mirada was accordion, but I played it for about seven years, mainly for my dad, and then he passed and punk rock happened, you know, so I picked up a guitar and played, so to speak, and um, it was magic. I think anyone who learns an instrument really well first with keys and scales and all that technical stuff, you can pick up other instruments. So yes, you, I yeah. played accordion at the Durden and Ray function, which I think was pretty good. It revved everyone up. And, no, it was and, fun. It was it was a great show. Yeah, we had fun. People were hyped. Yeah, yeah. it and was crowded as shit too. Well, and for those of you that weren't there, we did it during the raffle. So there was the fundraiser where there were fifty dollars paintings, which all sold mainly, and then 
a raffle and you know the hype on the raffle building up i thought it'd be good to play accordion and it was holiday music i was playing Christmas oh, song. it totally didn't feel like you were imposing your accordion. Yeah, <laughs> now, no, you well, sound a little well, defensive. That, no, like, that's why my <laughs> wife will tell you that. That's the thing with the accordion. It's like, you know, three songs in. First, everyone's like, oh, the accordion. Then you played for like three songs. They're like, oh, well, the, <laughs> the, the accordion. accordion. <laughs> you know, it's just this bump, 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 bump. Thing. Yeah. It's a good instrument. So. No, it's a, it's a solid instrument. And I mean, the, the, I think the most famous accordionist that I can think of is Weird Al. And, you know. Well, and that happened in the 80s. But some of us are old enough. When I moved here, there was a Lawrence Welk show on TVs every Saturday. And <laughs> I mean, that's why my family, we'd have the big Armenian meals. And everyone sit around and go, see, that could be you. Now play. And then every Saturday, I'd have to play a song. Everyone would sing and dance. It was it was awesome. That is such a it, a, a, a sweet uh, story of like immigrant ambition for creating. You know, <laughs> and it, I use it all the time when I lecture about my work to students because it, it, you know, to be an artist, you have to be willing to embarrass yourself, right? Yeah. Because you're putting it all out there. And from an early days, I was like seven, six, playing accordion to the whole family and getting ridiculed, but still having to play. You know, it was just like <laughs> you got to fight for it. <laughs> it was this weird fucking accordion <laughs> thing too. And I was like, all right, but it's kind of cool, no? It. it it's really difficult to play, you know, because the bass is on the left, keys are on the right, and yeah. It's, yeah, no, it, that, that it, I have no idea what the fuck you were doing. I was watching you play, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. didn't know what the sounds yeah, like, were coming from. I was like, wait, because I always had this idea of how it works, but it's completely <laughs> mechanically wrong, I'm sure, so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, guitars are pretty awesome, too. So you grew up, it, it's so, in ba I'm sorry, I'm going to ask a really dumb question. No, no. Is Beirut in Armenia? No. <clears throat> Okay, People, no. I'm sorry, ge geography. <laughs> no, no, it's in <laughs> Lebanon. Lebanon, okay. But the, well, and this is a good history for people that don't know from the first genocide. <coughs> Excuse me, my grandfather, Hagop Sr., my namesake, survived. But mm -hmm. a lot of folks went from Armenia to Beirut. Some went to Syria, some went to France. Beirut was definitely a huge Armenian population. So, yeah, I, I grew up there in 65 to 69. Okay. And then, then we came here basically because of the civil unrest. And where is Ar Armenia geographically? Oh, are you kidding? It's sandwiched between Russia and Turkey. That's okay. why, That's why it, I... it was neutral. That's why Turkey, when they did what they did, kind of, they like the German and Jew. They were already Armenians living in Turkey that they scapegoated as, you know, uh -huh. and killed. But the uh, same thing. It was all about religion and power. And But yeah, it, Armenia sits between Russia and Turkey. So then, like... I mean, I don't think I know too much about it, and I don't want to bum the audience out too much, but, like, uh, can you just give, like, a brief history of what happened in the Armenian Genocide? So is that, is it busy? Really? I mean, I'm just That's not my thesis, man. I'm here to talk about no, my thesis. No, I mean, nah. but you told me, you told me oh, that, well, yeah, you told yeah. me there's some cultural things that are interesting that I think you you mentioned that well, sound. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know. Like the, the six kids per, for everyone oh, that yeah, died? Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not, like, it's not well, cultural. Well, that's why I, I was telling Javier, you know, when you're, um, when you have it, he asked me how many children I have, and I said nine. I've only got two. <laughs> Dash and Evie, love you. But um, yeah, when I was young, growing up, if you got married, all the old dudes would come up to you and be like, you know, Daro Tzidkezi, which means like, now it's your turn, move it on. And then they'd say, for every six, you know, for everyone that died in the genocide, you need to make six children, which was really, you know, not just not particular in Armenia, I think anyone who survived crazy annihilations of your culture. Um, and I think just in general back then, I mean, my grandfather's family had 13 kids yeah, too. Yeah, so yeah. like he just generally you would the, make a lot yeah, anyway. Yeah, the nuclear family was all about, yeah. It was like have kids and see how many will stick. <laughs> <laughs> or how many of them don't become artists? No, yeah. uh, I, in a nutshell, I mean, the how, best How thing, many siblings do you have? 
I do have four sisters. And four that's sisters, the other thing. Yeah. I'm the only boy. So I'm like the Pasha, the king, you know, the, the one that in the patriarchal culture, like most Mediterranean cultures, that they kind of bow their heads to. But my, my dad, not, now to get somber, right? But my dad died when I was 13 <clears throat> and my mom died when I was 23. So my sisters and I became very close and supported each other. You know, they kicked my ass and there was no hierarchy of gender at all because everyone yeah i mean <laughs> have you ever seen punch drunk love with oh, the... yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> i well, have sisters i totally related to but, that movie yeah i don't want to i mean the armenian genocide is tragic and terrible and the best thing i could say is um hitler said yeah we'll get away with what we're doing no one remembers what happened to the armenians so, okay I mean, it, it was the blueprint of like annihilate the whole culture i mean you know it's terrible things like you know we Tr don't have to get into the no, details. No, no, trudging him through the desert and then strapping them all together in barbed wire, pouring gasoline on them and putting them in the Euphrates River. So oh, okay. children and women and everything. Right. Um, and my grand, I mean, on a side note, my grandfather survived by, it was a great story he told at his 100th birthday of, uh, he hidden, you know, he got, he saw his parents beheaded in the streets basically and then he escaped and he hid. And then the, my grandmother, who was then taken as a sort of Turkish love slave, right, young girl, was cooking and cleaning and doing all that in a cave-like thing. And he hid out there and they came through and went, any Armenians here, any Armenians? You know, and she lied and said no. And he told us at his 100th birthday with like generations of all of us looking and if that split minute didn't happen, you know, we wouldn't be here. So, yeah, yeah. and my story is the same for every genocide survivor and, you know, people that have escaped their terrible situations. So That's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm glad that you, like, I literally only know that about it mostly but through kim kardashian which is yeah goes to hitler's point <laughs> well no, no. students always say oh nigerian you're armenian like kardashian i'm like they're not armenians they're hoes no I used to, but no no they, and, you know god bless them they've used the capitalist you know famous thing to their advantage and yeah, yeah. made it what it is armenians are hardcore and they're very much christians who they are that they love their thing and they always but you know glendale i don't you know take a trip to glendale you'll see it all yeah yeah I think that that is also one of the the nationalities that, or ethnicities that people confuse me with. Yeah, Armenian. you could be Armenian. Yeah, yeah, but you know, growing up, no one knows what it was, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's still its own language. It's not like an Arabic, you know, derivative language thing. It's, and that's why Armenians are so hopped up. They say their language came out of the Bible. You know, Mount Ararat is mentioned in the Bible and the alphabet and this and that. But um, Armenians are pretty proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I used to know, I used to meet some in Italy and Florence, there were a bunch mm, of Armenians, because yes. there's yeah. a lot of migration, like, I think as migrant workers, they would go over there. Yeah, my but, distant aunt, I never visited, um, uh, one of the sisters of one of my um, aunts is, uh, or the brother, uh, when I was in Florence, I, I wish I'd seen them, but trip me out that they're like Armenians in these other places. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, same thing with the Jews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're, like in Italy, when I was in... Uh, Venice had a whole, um, you know, cathedral, Per Armeni, which is like the church for the Armenians. So, I mean, and it's Catholic, which also tripped me out because, like, the Christian Catholic. You know, we don't have to go on all that stuff. It's a long... Yeah, but anytime you have, like, refugees that are leaving a place, you know, you're yeah. going to have uh, a lot of different, like, places where you're like, holy shit. Like, I didn't know that Vietnam had a huge Vietnamese... Oh, France had a huge Vietnamese oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. community. And then... That's just to show like how little I know about the history. Because if you know anything about Vietnam, it makes sense that there would be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, like 
you know, when I was a kid, I went to a private school in Italy, like that was British. Yes. So all of my schooling was like Anglo-Saxon and like, you know, wow. history of like, you know, of kings and whatnot and medieval history and whatever. Um, but when I got over here, I realized that that's the same thing for like Americans. So I, there's like a huge American gap in my history, but also oh, like it's very, I think it's, it's an interesting thing. I don't think if you're Armenian, you really hear about this stuff. Yeah. It's not like covered openly. O only, only when people call people out and they're like, oh, you should be canceled because you, you know, this and that. Like, well, I think even in here in LA and America, probably the last decade or two, it's, you know, we, they had the big uh, commemoration 100 200 years 100 years of it and you know so i mean it but so th this it, only happened 100 years ago no no well no 1914 to 1920s uh, but i'm just saying in 2014 they did a whole yeah, yeah. big you know it's still way more recent than i thought oh yeah yeah, yeah no yeah, yeah. it's not like super 1700s it's like 19 yeah, that's yeah, what i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. well that's why hitler was, or um the ottoman turks were smart to use the world war one like the timing of countries were kind of unstable to just do what they did you know right. but it goes to you know we're still seeing it today with ukraine I mean, yeah you know, we smart. see it we don't we don't yeah. have to go into current no, events <laughs> I, it's just all power and control yeah. and people that and resources them. always it's yeah. always about resources yeah. yeah it's like i want your shit <laughs> yes yeah definitely it was land and power and grab you know and uh, kill people but um yeah yeah it's unfortunately it's all it's just one formula that just keeps getting played out like a fractal yeah, you know yeah. thing but anyway we can go into yeah, the moving. safety of your topic oh yeah my topic uh, are, you, are you ready for it yeah my thesis your thesis so javier wrote a prompt what is this thesis for this it's visual and audio dna okay visual dna and audio dna or musical dna okay so but you, we're not speaking of like actual genetics we're talking about as a metaphor dna well, I think, yeah, but psychologically, the stuff that's built into us visually and musically is our DNA of how we respond to look at art and hear music. So you're thinking maybe you're talking maybe more about like, I mean, it's a heavy word, but like the, what, in the same sense that there's emotional trauma or generational trauma, there's maybe generational aesthetics. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's everything you think about the way you dress to, you know, with music, like, right. Most people's influence of whether it was the Beatles or, you know, Michael Jackson or um, current artist Beyonce, you know, like people, and, and art too. I mean, I think you could probably blink your eyes and still think of that first impact of a painting or sculpture or photo that said, wow, that's, that's that. I mean, I remember Norton Simon commercials on TV. And they'd say, What's that? Norton Norton, the, the Norton Simon Museum. Oh, is that, that's a regional thing. What the hell? Are you doing a show like this? You don't know Norton Simon Museum in Pasadena? No. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, a, it's a generous museum that Norton Simon collected all his great work. And, you know, it covers everything from early Renaissance to um, modern. But, it, you know, it stops at like Sam Francis, maybe. But um, they, they show these images on the screen. that say, come visit. See the Rembrandt. Mm. See the Goya. See the Picasso. And every time they showed that Picasso, the woman reading the book, you know, I was like, wow, wow what is that image? You know, and... Uh, so that, like the, the, back to the visual DNA, like those are the things that stick with you. Because, again, we were immigrants. Uh, my dad and grandfather were woodworkers. They made stuff out of just with basic tools, a plane and biscuits and, you know, in the garage. And um, no one really painted. My sister kind of painted, but she went on to cosmetology. So, you know, going back to this history thing of we become who we are and uh, visual DNA. Mm -hmm. Like seeing that Picasso at whatever, I was probably nine or ten. 
But I was really lucky, you know, that's why I probably teach so hard, you know. Uh, I had a really amazing high school teacher that turned me on to that, and then... Hold on, I, I want to maybe pin down the concept a little bit more. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, so, so, so then, what, what I'm hearing is that when you are looking at the Picasso as a, as a kid, that's when you first realize that you have a taste in aesthetics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is the DNA element what speaks to you particularly so like maybe someone could have a reaction to a different artist or whatever oh, I, for the I, same. I, I think we're all individually made up of these art experiences music experiences oh. things that make our sensitivity to what we like and that's what i'm saying so you think you're, you're saying that not only are did you have a proclivity to react to that but it also becomes part of the dna it becomes part of the, the experience yeah and then it's Bec- layered right and you've got yours then you go on to school and you that's why i was getting to high school like Mm-hmm. I got turned on to art in high school and college and then, you know, pursued it as a degree. And you learn all those artists and you try different painting techniques, sculpture, even printmaking. But you, you kind of come back to these things that are grounding roots. Yeah, yeah. Music, too. Right. I mean, like for me, it was, again, most pivotal was punk rock at 13. Again, I played accordion, but when after my father passed, I... There's nothing more punk than a fucking band, punk band with an accordion in it. Well, yeah. Did, did that well, I mean, Weird Al fucked that whole thing up because he started making goofy ass songs instead of really singing with the accordion. <laughs> but you could have took no you offense, could, you Weird could, Al. <laughs> you couldn't have uh, given it your. You, you, I I still I don't think it's too late. I think you can. I, I did. You can turn no, the accordion. I, okay, so you did perform I, I in did. punk band. I was in a band called Worked World with skateboarders uh, Neil Blender and Eddie Glass, who are amazing musicians and artists, and. Um, yeah, we, I mean, it was, but again, it's like a novelty. You break it out, maybe one song in the end, and everybody's like, oh, the accordion. You plug it in, because it did have a chord. You could amplify it, put it through a fuzz box, a wah. It sounds rad. You should have just had it every song, man. <laughs> yeah. Then it's still but, a gimmick. You know, no, but, it's but, still but a But in my yeah. point, I was less than. I wanted to be a really good guitar player. Mm. I was pretty good at accordion. Uh, but um, So, uh, again, I think the musical stuff that built me up, who I am, the audio stuff, uh, that's why my thesis, I guess, would be I'm, I'm still doing this. You know, I still make music, I'm still painting, and I'm trying to find visual and audio connects between the two for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different for everyone else. And again, back to the roots. I love, I grew up with the, the jam, the clash, Sex Pistols, all of that English stuff, and then American bands, Black Flag, you know, when punk happened here. That's probably still the way I think about writing songs, but then, you know, you get older and you study the Beatles, and you're like, whoa, these guys were layering. Well, okay. Yeah. And then I had a huge round with reggae and dub for years. I was just recording and love that. And, um, but they all, like, if I pick up a guitar now, the first thing I'll play is a jam song or a Who song. <laughs> That's just who I am. But, uh, and then the accordion. I think the Middle Eastern music, like growing up with that kind of Middle Eastern vibe of. Does it do microtonal or no? Does it do what? Microtonal. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Oh, it, like it's uh, Western or like Eastern. Uh, the it, do, it does drones. Instead of half step, half, yeah, half yeah, steps, it does quarter steps. There, there's that. There's other drones. But it was like literally, um, it sounds cliche, but it would be like we all eat dinner. You spend the whole day making food. And then after dinner, like, yeah, I'll go up. We'll get the accordion. Um, what are you going to play? I remember like unbuttoning out of the case and be like, Dad, what am I going to do? He's like, I don't care. So I'm playing anything. They love it. I'm like, what do I play? You play. You know? <laughs> I, but I didn't it sounds, have, sounds a little fucking uh what's it called uh, joe jackson <laughs> yeah yeah and his kids yeah michael you got out there abc and i but the thing was i didn't really have to because these guys were so amazing i had uncle kevork who would just clap and then mm-hmm. like that would ignite 
and they just start going yeah. off there. And, and Armenian, you know, like, yes, you go, tune you go. And then I'm like, okay, here goes. And You're I, making me feel kind of guilty because my dad used to try to like get us all to sing and stuff and sing with us and we would all cringe. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he was trying to like keep that kind of tradition See in life. Yeah. yeah, he was Cuban, so he had like oh, yeah, he grew yeah. up, his mom used to and, I, and we were oh, we would all just roll our eyes. So unfair. But, I'm sorry, but, Dad. But when you hear one of those songs, doesn't it I hate to use the word trigger, but it ignites something from that history. Yeah, there's definitely some songs that he sang to me that, like... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. The, no, no, so de the, definitely. The, I, I just feel like... You let him down. I <laughs> Are you I, the only boy? <laughs> no, I'm the second boy, huh. so... <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the beta. <laughs> the oldest boy let him down. <laughs> no, no, but, so audiovisual DNA, it's not a crazy idea, right? We all do it. We're all artists. We have music we listen to in our yeah. studio, and... Um, but yeah, the, you know, the more I've been painting, because um, that's why I grew up, you know, painting figures, telling stories, trying to, you know, be like a figure painter. But um, then in 2014, I had a sabbatical and I just spent about 10 years, you know, since then and now just not painting images and just exploring color and sound. But I kind of felt weird making just abstract paintings. So I, I tried to give it a little system so I would give each, each instrument a color and how it played through a song that's how the painting would look you know then mm -hmm. mixing like Bella Bartok with Ornette Coleman all on one painting and mm -hmm. and so trying to limit myself to those colors based on those parameters of those artists stuff they're going fast slow loud quiet you know so and so it, how do you correlate colors is it do, do you like do warmth to like speed or warmth to yeah uh, you know, I, like, would, I would do heat to volume like a bright yellow or a white white and black are the most powerful still when you make a colorful painting right yeah polychrome and then yeah i could have all these new or like neutrals for subtle buried areas right and then have these flat shapes for more powerful punches and uh yeah that's cool. And then, you know, then a nuance of transparency. That's why I went into acrylic. Also, you know, taping off things using the gels, kind of doing... Tra and then neon. I used a lot of fluorescent colors for a while trying to... I'm, that, that's what I'm drawn to now that I'm painting, so right. I can relate to that. Yeah, I, yeah, but yeah. I'm also like not trying to mix colors. Do you, do, are, you, are you a paint mixer or are, do you go straight from the tube? Oh, those guys are lame. I, I mix everything. Okay, I'm a lamer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm not a painter. I'm, I'm a conceptual kidding, artist. No. no, no, you're fine. You're fine. No, I love... That's why this thing behind me is all... I never owned a tube of raw sienna growing up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I made plenty of realistic or whatever earth tone paintings, um, fleshy, traditional Rembrandt. I had a yellow ochre, I had a Venetian red, a burnt sienna, a burnt umber. But I never really had raw sienna. Raw sienna is kind of an interesting, intense orange color, actually. Like, it's a really good warm. So the painting behind me is, like, kind of slowing down and um, just going. But it started with ink drawings. You know, they're all just sort of sepia drawings that led. But, you know, like my talking, I talk too much. So um, No, no, them, you're fine, dude. No, not with you, but uh, in general, my students will tell you. My family will tell you. No, but. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm just trying to keep up. And uh, basically, I mean, the next area that I want to talk about is kind of because there is a classical influence even on some of the abstraction stuff right it yeah, does it, yeah. do, it makes me it does make me feel like Italy oh, in yeah. a weird way yeah, yeah. Um, sure. where well but back to what I was talking about being talking loud I'm, I'm painting is like talking and so, so to use too many bright colors or too many uh, outlandish things I'm kind of trying to scale scale back. back yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah so then during COVID, actually, I had a uh, show last year at Launch LA. Thank you, James Bonozzo, great man. Uh, gave me a shot there, and 
that the figures came back because I was just kind of like, um, you know, I was so sad about how the country's treating each other and um, nobody's like supporting each other and there's so much rage in the world, especially with that knucklehead in the White House, you know. And um, so the images came back and like the, the first one I did was Stonehenge and Us, which is like figures holding each other up and kind of crumbling at the same time. And um, so, yeah, I, I, plus, you know, I teach figure drawing and painting. So the, I, again, back to these intuitive hooks, like the marks we make, I think, are related to the way we learn to draw. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's not like, oh, I see a shoulder blade or a kneecap. It's more like yeah, that yeah. gestural feel of that is probably the way I made an abstract painting and then just trying to pull them together. Do you find yourself wavering back and forth between doing more abstraction? Yeah, yeah and absolutely. And to be honest, you, things, are you, it sounds like you're not happy just uh, being not, fully abstract. No, and I'm not happy with... The, I'm, I mean, I'm a good storyteller, but I'm not a realist painter. I mean, I can do that, but it's not what... I stay up all night worrying about the paint, you know. So, and I'm not, you know, I'm not super pleased with these. These are pretty interesting right now. I moved here in June, so these are kind of uh, airing. I'm, I'm very lucky that I have this big space to kind of air things out and just try. These it's ideas. a great space, yeah. There's yeah. a whole, the, the, uh, unlike uh, Serge's studio, there's a wall on this side too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's a bunch of paintings over there. But I, I think, and then of course, as soon as you put the figure in, it has to mean something, so people start reading all this stuff into it. But um, yeah, no, I can t I can understand the challenge of that. It seems like you're trying to straddle a, a, an interesting line. I've seen some more, more of your figurative work that's a little bit uh, more flat, like less um, three, yeah, yeah. volumetric. Yeah, I think that there is an interesting thing that happens when you start making something a little bit more that like has more weight to it and has more um, volume to it, which is kind of where like. Before, there were more geometric shapes that interlocked, yeah. whereas now they become figures. So that's an interesting thing. I, I totally relate to the feeling of like trying something new and it's a little bit different and it excites you, but you're not really sure about it. But then, yeah. but like the more, the, the I think that that's a good space to be in, you know, as you're, as you're moving forward. Uh, absolutely. The risk is it right now. I mean, I'm trying to, whatever, to, in my own mind, take risks or kind of let them breathe and not be so absolute about how they have to be um yeah and it's really drawing too like i mean just kind of just drawing with paint in these i'm not really thinking i'm like painting but like you said the flat shapes kind of break the, the ones on top though are always kind of simultaneously i'm making those while i'm making like more bigger, yeah. bigger paintings too um and the one behind you is kind of good i think people can see it it's uh you know that one's like called good citizens it's just kind of people sitting on a bench so I started with red, white, and blue and just kind of let the colors happen, I guess. But in the end, everyone's kind of big hands are hugging and holding each other. So like going back to the DNA element, because yeah. so, so the listeners sometimes get a little bored when we describe like the visuals too much. But I yeah, mean, not, yeah. not that we've gotten into that space, but I want them to know that I'm looking out for them. Yeah. Because yeah. um, most, most people still listen on the air. Is So the, vis so the DNA element of it is uh, like... You have the Picasso experience. What other experiences, like what other people resonated with you as you were growing up? Because you do have a yeah. very specific thing where you're trying to balance abstraction with figure, which yeah. is one of the more challenging things because the yeah. figure, like the figure is other people and we interact with them every day. So it, it visually as an object, that is something that's difficult no, to break. I, and it, but it, I, I mean, it's admirable to try and to take it no, on. No, but I, yeah. I think Giotto, when I, yeah. you know, I, I spent a year in Rome for grad school through Tyler uh, Temple University. And um, 
Did you go? Did, did you? Is that the same program that uh, Carl and uh, what's and Justin Michelle went to? I know Carl went there. Who's oh he? yeah, no, then that both of them went there. Yeah, Just no, different Ty, times. Tyler, yeah, we all overlapped by um, a few years. I'm, I, I know, but yeah, we've talked about it. Tyler was great, and again, Stanley Whitney was amazing. Who's really taken off is a huge influence, great mentor, and I was lucky. I, oh, so I wasn't talking shit. Like this is very Roman. <laughs> this particular painting. Well, no, they're all <laughs> built in, dude. When I saw those giottos, they just hit home. Yeah, yeah. They're like so crude and not because they're crude and clunky too you know at times they're flat and you know some of them, yeah. he was the one that started doing perspective and then even like duccio some of the earlier early renaissance that were just they communicated about the human spirit so clearly even though they didn't do their full realized michelangelo forms yet right so giotto is always there for me matisse um yeah gorky of course not just because he was armenian but how he he ran a parallel life when we talk about my grandfather he was about the same age like the things he saw with his mom dying is kind of like what my grandfather lived through. But, you know, I, I want to forward to contemporary painters like uh, Dana Schutz, who I think is amazingly bridging. And she's controversial, I know, but... Um, what's, what's she controversial for? So, oh, she had a painting in the Whitney Biennial a couple of years ago that kind of crossed lines, I guess, with race. and. Is so, it the Emma Till one? I think so, yeah. 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 Uh, Christina Quarles, you know, who does amazing figurative work. But then like... Uh, um, Jaqueta Crosby, you know, uh, the African painter who's an incredibly loaded imagery with the flat patterns and collage and like flat form and beautiful color. Those are current painters, I think, that bridge everything I would want to do in painting, you know. Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, to the point of I grew up with these things and they've stayed with me. Um, but, you know, like when we look at <laughs> paintings, I would look at Velasquez and be like, wow, the dude can paint air, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I might see Holbein and be like, that's really amazing, but like my, you know, I didn't get like fully blown away. So we all react differently, you know. That's all. And then, after, and it's then, interesting to, to hear because I like basically it's mostly painting that gets you excited. You no, know? no, you, I, I was gonna say then you'd see, yeah. um, you know, sculptures growing up that were impressive too. But then installation artists that have done stuff that are just kind of um, changing the way you communicate through form, storytelling, whatever. Or I guess it goes back to human nature like how you're communicating about being alive you know what i mean yeah. so but but i mean i think that that's very interesting the fact the narrative the interest in narrative is very interesting because that is a very integral part of like that renaissance period like mm -hmm. that you were talking about giotto and for people that aren't that well versed in that time period of art history like Sculpture was kicking paintings ass by so much. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. like years and years and years in advance because it, to some degree, it's easier to translate something 3D to something 3D, right? Like there is a, 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 a thing that, like the coding that takes to make a 2D surface uh, uh, look th three-dimensional was really what Giotto brought to the table. And it, I mean... Well, I'm, and the subject though everything was commissioned by the church to recreate a story from the bible so yeah. and then that's how people like back then the elon musks of the world would have uh, bought their way onto these frescoes <laughs> as as like not even just as like uh, side characters as the actual yeah, put, put like characters yeah, yeah, yeah. in the story uh of like 
consequence. Well, like Trump trying to be in the Mount Rushmore. Like, put me yeah, in there. More, even more so, like Trump trying to be in the Pieta. Oh, yeah, yeah. Make me. <laughs> well, like, they would model a painting. And that was, and then, so they would give all this money, and then that, that the would. The patrons. The sure. patrons, and then that would get them into heaven. But then there was also, like, the raunchy shit, too. Well, Caravaggio, right? He was, he was the street fighting, bar drinking, bar fly dude who. He was rowdy, but he was so good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. they found him on a beach in Malta. Oh, really? Dead. after he, he killed someone, and he was on the run at the last part of his life. And he'd go to town to town. Naples, I think the uh, Seven Acts of Mercy was his last painting. One of them. He'd get paid for him and move on. And then they, he escaped, and they found him dead on a beach. <laughs> Well, but no, I, he was a real character. I mean, he was a shit disturber, right? And but but what I what I what, the reason I I bring all that up because that is also in my DNA. That that Giotto, that especially that Renaissance time period, mm. like the stuff that is in this painting, I mm. I definitely connect to that way. Yeah. I, yeah, I I I mean, there's something really monumental going on, which is interesting because that's where I think the figure is. It, like at least what I'm seeing in your work now versus like some of the flatter uh, figurative stuff is that it's not necessarily, I don't, I mean, I don't read these because of that drawing element. I don't read them as like humans, you know, mm. I, I read them as abstractions, but in that fact, like, but all sculptural abstractions within oh, a painting. Yeah. Do you oh. get what I'm saying? So like, yeah, yeah. so like statuesque as opposed to, and monumental as opposed to like, intimate and does that make uh, sense i do and i get worried about that generalization of they're not oh that's not a specific person who is it but i guess i'm playing to the bigger picture like this one is called good samaritan so again it's just people kind of helping people the horse is there but see then the horse gets fun i'm sorry those of you at home but the horse is kind of overlaid by four images kind of rotating it almost like a merry-go-round carousel thing so um mm. that goes back to the creative process though the freedom and the joy in making it is still what excites me. Yeah. You know, and, and and that's what's also cool. I make sketches, but the paintings are never note for note of a sketch. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I know a lot of artists that make these preliminary sketches, make a grid and then map it out. Oh, yeah. So yeah, everything yeah, yeah. on the canvas has... No, nah, that's fine. That's great. I'm just too lazy. I'm, I'm both lazy and... I'm actually, I'm not lazy. I'm, not, I'm in interested because I want to see the change. That's the connection I have between that and abstract painting because when I'm painting the abstract paintings... I allow for those surprises to happen that dictate the next move. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, and then there's the oil, as cheesy as it sounds, oil versus acrylic thing, right? The, what do you use? Both, both. Oh, okay. um, but, uh, actually, but, uh, but not on the a, same painting. That Sometimes, okay. of course, but I rarely start something in acrylic and go to oil. I, I love the surface, so I'll prime them and get them sanded down, get them really... The best thing I ever painted on was uh, rabbit skin glue and lead primed you know canvas in, in italy because yeah. i could afford it linen was cheap but it's i fake that so i <laughs> i get a rough weave canvas and then i gesso it and then i sand it but then i keep putting thinner and thinner layers of kind of like a gel medium until it, it's it's kind of fast and grippy like uh okay like the ink drawing so i can mm, you know work that's the brush. nice that's nice yeah. i like that, uh, that i could get with that so that's why the oil paintings i do on that the acrylic i'm pouring paint and i'm taping sections and layering that way so it, it's a little it's going to get more crunchy surface anyway you know mm. but, um, but i like the accidents you know i know these are really about talking out loud on the canvas and again going back to playing music when i play live i like i have a song written that i'm going to play but um it's, it's actually interesting we don't 
have any examples of the less figurative work that Here, you were. No, yeah, it's no. Probably at home. I'm curious. I'm curious. I, I want to see it now. Yeah. Because then it would give me some insight into where you're going to swing back to now, right? Like, yeah, like you I mean, said, like some of those, like the gouache paintings on the walls are probably more just the more what, that. What, yeah, like those two small. Th those are more kind of. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, probably this one, the one behind you with the good citizens is the, the figures are more simplified and they might disappear and go back into the block shapes of the cinder block wall at some point. So See those, that, like, that reads a little bit more uh, graphic. Yeah, this yeah, one, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you get what I'm saying. So you do, totally you, you, do, you do have the range. Yeah, and 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 maybe the, I got the idea also because you t you talked about that one being Stonehenge, which obviously is monumental. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it is interesting to to have that like it's an interesting thing to work through those those sort of things that I never I, I don't really deal with the figure at all, you know. Mm. And it, it because because it's such a fucking challenge, right? Yeah, like yeah, and yeah. and it is weighted in so much of that history. So it's I mean. It's interesting to even try, you know, like it. it, it yeah, like, and I like, guess it's the it's the carrier for me that keeps me going to uh, the carrier. Yeah, like it keeps carrying me along to sort of like, I know that's the next thing I want to try to it. You know, like I like always looking at the paintings the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't edit until like a month later. <laughs> well, <laughs> on no, no, these and, and again, the studio has been nice because, <clears throat> you know, I had a home studio, Andrea and I both for 20 years plus that. Um, you know, we made nice, food, but you know, storage becomes a problem. So then to get this space takes about a half hour to get here. I love driving and giving myself little assignments of like, when you, when you told me you had nine kids, I was like, where the fuck, how big is your house? Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Cause yeah. I knew no. you had that studio. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, two kids, everyone, uh, audience, I'm sorry. I shouldn't <laughs> joke about having many. Um, yeah, but the, the idea of driving here and kind of thinking about what I'm going to get done while I'm here, um, is also a good structure. It's a huge thing. It helped me, you know. Um, it, I think it does help me. Um, and that's the other thing. I Just in terms of nerdy assignments we give ourselves. On this one, I, you know, I purposely am not using line. I'm just using shapes and seeing how they work. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's weird. I mean, it's still dated. You know, what I'm trying to do is like an old idea of painting. <laughs> yeah, but, but, I mean, uh, the figure's the most, never gone. No, nah, I guess you're right. I mean, that's why I'm ho hoping people connect. You know, if one person kind of gets the human element in what I'm trying to do, it, um, it it makes it sense. But also, Philip Gustin, right? I mean, he changed figure ground relationship. What does that mean? Well, a traditional figure ground is, you know, any Renaissance painting, Michelangelo, here's the horizon line, here's Madonna and child, or, mm -hmm. you know, here's the sky, here's the earth, middle of the canvas. Um, another horizon line, house on the hill, people... Andrew Wyeth, you know, figures in the front, or uh, Rembrandt, here's the room, figure ground. So the light follows the chiaroscuro of top to bottom. Mm -hmm. If you look at Gustin's paintings, he changed the weight of within one painting, like, like the whole bottom half might be all white and the top half dark, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just the balance. And then again, I'm leaving out all these abstract painters that have influenced me tremendously, you know? So um, going to grad school in the East Coast was a huge plus for me because... Where'd you go? Again, Tyler School of Art, which is Temple University. Oh, so you, it's... But they did a year in Rome and a year in Philly. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But that that was that was grad school? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that that's, that was part of the grad program. I thought that was just like a year abroad for... Um... No. No, well, no, no, no. Undergr I... Undergrads could go too, but Temple has that... I mean, that, that, yeah. that, to be honest, that's why I went. I could choose the Inland Empire or... Because <laughs> I, I got accepted to Claremont that year. 
as well, which could have probably, I mean, Claremont is the buzzword, the hot spot. Everyone goes to and it connects you to LA a lot better. But, um, you know, I lived a year in Rome and it was incredible. And then as a college teacher, I took students there every summer for like five years. So it, yeah. And it really is a second home. I have family there. I mean, you know, my, my kids have been there a bunch of times. My daughter studied overseas in France. I'm sure the, Roman experience brought that travel yeah, bug. Yeah, bug, yeah. yeah so. I mean, it's really easy to travel over there. And, uh, it, it, <laughs> and it, eat it's insane. well. <laughs> yeah, and eat, like, it's just, yeah. But, okay, so then you, going back to your roots, you came it from Beirut, how old were you again? Seven? Five. Five, okay. So then you're pretty much a Cali boy, right? Yeah. yeah like you you know, in... but it's old immigrant world. I mean, um, you, uh, aunts and uncles came, so in a four-block radius, there was always... Yeah, but you're a skater. You're in that happened. Punk. That, that happened in thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. But yeah. the home life was all Armenian. We ate the food. We talked the language. The carpets were there. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, I didn't mean that. But, oh, but I'm just yeah, saying. Now like, I'm a Cali. Yeah, yeah. I'm a California kid. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Up. And skateboarding. Geez, who thought? You know, that happened in the seventies. I started skating in 77, 76. And were uh, you skating vert? Oh yeah. Okay. So well, the, the, curbs first, but curbs. but you I, were you didn't come up in the street era. No, that's way after. We, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was in the most mecca of skate parks around. That's me. when fucking Tony Hawk was like doing well, and then and then afterwards he struggled because my well, generation but, of skaters but, came a, in. A lot of those folks, and again, I'm not bragging, I, but they're all friends, you know. And Tony's still an incredible. Uh, die, you know, he's still going. The movie that was just made on him is really great. But yeah, so I was in Whittier at a park called Skate City, which all those cats came to. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they'd, have, they'd come from San Diego, they need a house to stay, they stay with you. It, was, it, it wasn't all the egos or anything. It's like anything, you know, I have to... Well, I mean, back then the sport was fucking nothing. It, I no, have to it quote, was just, yeah, yeah it was quote, a, a punk scene and before you got even yeah, discovered. Yeah, and, and then there was uh, Skatopia in Anaheim, Big O in Orange. Were these public... Pool, pu- pool, pool parks, big pool parks. That's why... That, I, that, did you have to pay or... No, yeah, you become a member, you sign a... A, a waiver? A waiver of if you're going to break a leg or something, and... Uh, Upland had one. Del Mar and, and Oasis were down in San Diego. Reseda. I mean, there were... And what time were you in living as a kid? La Mierda. La, la, la Mirada. <laughs> la Mirada. It, well, and Whittier is right there, so Skate City was there. But my point is, it was the 70s. This all bled, bled over from surf style, surf culture, right? Which is very mm-hmm. Orange, Orange County, Southern California. Um, the, it was crazy. Because some of those pools were monster and not made well with bumps, kicks, yeah, you know, yeah. and... That's what's fascinating now. If I watch the arc of it, every city has a skate park. Like, wow. You know, I would have never dreamed that. Miami, I still, I still and, think and, still and my, Some of my friends, like Lance Mountain, that's what he does. He goes around the world and builds pools. Like, some, yeah. some of the dudes that came up that are super pro and know it and the finesse of how to build a pool make really good parks now, you know, or pools. So... Um, to answer your question, yeah, I guess it was a California. And then the punk rock, yeah, of course. The, the, Wait, when... Those venues that were pools, were those specifically built for the sport? That's what I'm saying. Jesus, Somebody that's Somebody so invested a whole... That's like a really bad investment. <laughs> hey, screw you. If you. Well, I think there was a momentum. That's like I starting mean... a laser tag. Well, it's like <laughs> paint, paint gun ball fight arenas. You know? I think you're like, yeah, <laughs> or, like or, things that are trends and you're just betting hard on. I, I commend the dude, uh, Ross Galati, who uh, bought Skate City... <clears throat> It, he was an optometrist. Oh, and I wow. think his kid skated, and he said, 
I want a place for him to. Let's try the skate park. No, but I'm I'm telling you, Javier, there were. He wasn't that great of a doctor, if you. (laughs) No, no, no. He's cool dude. I'm I'm fucking with you. No, I'm adding up the pools. I'm I'm adding up the pools. There was a clover. There was a kidney. There was a half pipe. There was a full pipe. Whoa. A capsule and then a. How many people? That was the injury. The the widowmaker. The Mm. the full pipe. Not so much because it probably got rowed more at contests where people would do like stickers, you know, like you go back, see how high people get, and then you put a sticker to see how. Oh, yeah. And, and if you went oververt. But my point was, it was a park that had seven or nine amazing pools within it. So these guys just didn't build a little. Yeah, no, it's not like a, a, a backyard that had a pool and but, then they built a venue out of it. But that's why it's cool because, like, the first place is since you're, I'm sorry, the audience is bored with skateboarding. How the right fuck? Now. No, I'm very interested in oh, this. Well, so it was Concrete Wave, was what it sounds like. A long, um, angled, tilted wave. Yeah, yeah. we have one in Lincoln, Lincoln Heights. Yeah, it's more of carving and whatever. Skatopia was good, it had a half pipe, but like. That's what I'm saying. By the time Skate City came, which was built in 77, um, 78, uh, they looked at all the other close parks and said, that pool's too huge. That one's too lumpy. Let's mm. do it this way. Even like coping, you know. Like some yeah, coping yeah. was gnarly, over big, and then that's gotten to an art now. And uh, yeah, man, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and then I the, don't the van skate park, you know, right? in the orange block. Is it still there? Is it- they just closed. They built another one in Huntington Beach. But my point is that was like a, you know, pretty major in a shopping mall skate thing that really generated. Uh, I mean, that had its run early 2000s. To just last year they closed it. But uh, Yeah. Yeah, so skating, yeah. it's a trip, you know. Well, I mean, but I think that that probably influenced. There's definitely an aesthetic that comes with skating. I know that you wear a lot of skate clothes just because you get so much of it free because you don't. Yeah, yeah I pay for this shit. No, I do it anymore. I don't like it when friends give me stuff free. I'm like, I want to support your company. I got to buy it. But um, yeah, you just grew up. I mean, I'm But I mean, going go back to the DNA part of the conversation, oh, tying yeah. it all in. I mean, I definitely think that, like, and the, there, it is enough of an aesthetic that, like, people that are part of that culture at least in some yeah, level yeah, sure. like uh, can sp- smell each other you know like oh yeah i mean even, molly's husband is also yeah, 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 obviously yeah, a fucking skater yeah, yeah. there's a certain look a certain <laughs> way you hold your shoulders but even like a, a subtlety of a beanie and a you know and just just being a little to... weird with your fashion sense you know yeah, yeah but again that's your dna you know yeah. it's also like you know and it's also like your political dna and the, and the human rights stuff and like you grew up you know because that's what trips me about skateboarding. I mean, not to call out people, but like, it. You know, we all sang songs about Reagan and um, bad politics and doing the right thing, and and then all those cats are now like white jocks, you know, that sort of support Trump and sort of like are okay with being mean to each other and stuff. And it's like, Wait, are there are there a lot of skaters out there supporting Trump? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm oh, sure. really? I mean, I was shocked to see. I mean, just mainly through social media, but people I know too, and I talk to um, that just sort of went that way. I mean, I get it. It's the power thing, the macho, the kind of I'm a bully, I can get away with it shit. That is kind of the punk spirit, like with a lot of the lamer people that use punk rock and mm-hmm. uh, violence for. You know, I don't know. I have. I just think it's a different idea of thinking of the world if you support that menace. You know, so I'm like. You care nothing about other people, or the <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a very selfish politic if you go that way, and not to get political, but um, I mean, even the party for them to have that guy as their faceplate is really says something about the way you think about the world. You know, I think he just kicked all of their asses. <laughs> oh, Unfortunately, I oh, I don't know. They all stopped them following me too, and then there's the you know nothing, yeah. but there's the conservative Christian thing too, and 
Yeah, they, yeah. they believe in that and they support the pussy grabber. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Well, that's always weird. You know, like there, there is, I mean, obviously we've been talking about how we've been influenced by Christian art. So I don't want to be like shitting on the entire well, history yeah, of it, but, but, but I, hold on. Let me, let me, um, yeah, yeah, sorry. no, I, I, it is stunning how many hippies, how many different like fucking people that were counterculture end up in that, in that realm, mm. you know, like, mm. like it's not. Yeah. It's it's counterintuitive, but a lot of the hippie like that was the the Jesus freaks. That was yeah. a huge thing. That's how Jamestown and shit like that got came <laughs> came to be about. Mm. I'm a bit of a cult aficionado, but I mean not aficionado. That's a weird way to put that. <laughs> I'm a, I have a fin, an affinity. <laughs> um, no, you studied it. I mean, you got you, yeah. you're not saying it without ignorance. Sure. No, but it it is it's it's an interesting thing. Like I wonder what how, I. It can't just be the cliche that when you get older, you get more conservative because a lot of people don't go that way. Well, there's, I'm, listen, I'm surrounded, most of the Armenians are hardcore Christians. I'm surrounded by the, the folks that love it for the community, mm -hmm. the safety, you know, and it is like everyone thinks the same, right? But, you know, the idea is everyone's worshiping this thing in a book that was written that long ago by yeah, a certain yeah. group of people and things have changed in our civilizations that don't apply. So I, you know, no, or, or, yeah. the, or the harsh judgment of it. I mean, that's what gets me. The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. These are the folks that judge my gay friends or my, you know, people yeah, that yeah, have yeah, pink yeah. hair or something. And it's like, really? Although pink hair used to not be an LGBT thing. It used no, to be a punk no, thing. I meant a punk, no, no, I meant back then a <laughs> oh, punk okay, thing. Okay. Like a friend would show up to dinner when they look kind of weird and the, um, you know, the Armenian Armenians, family. people like get so upset, like you're wearing creepers and, somebody's got studs on their leather jacket and that they're going to be a thug and yeah, kill, yeah. kill somebody. I, but that all goes back to insecurities, I guess, you know, really all of it's about, yeah. <laughs> about insecurities. But currently, I mean, just yesterday, you know, it was good news. If you look at, they're going to move forward with prosecuting mm -hmm. that garbage mouth. Right. But he still might get away with it because the way the laws are written, made and for by the rich. Right. But people are still supporting that. And, Somebody broke that many laws, you know, and tried to burn the capital down. <laughs> I'm so ambivalent on on Trump. I, I I saw how how much he's affected so many people. I've tried to yeah, no, not, I, not, I don't not internalize that. I mean, I totally get I, I totally get what he does to people, and I like and and so I think that Trump is a weird guy, but I can sort of understand. I think that like a lot of people also liked him I, i'm from florida so i know a lot of good people that supported him yeah yeah and they don't necessarily they're not necessarily anti-lgbt so anyway i'm just saying that not every trump supporter is a is a conservative hate i mean i guess you kind of have to be but um but i i i'm uninvested <laughs> like I, and, and I, 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 I and i get i get people that are i totally get people that are i just i'm more worried about other things but like po other political things but i t i don't yeah, like yeah. i'm i'm not here well, to tell you that trump was a good guy well I'm just, and i'm not yeah, yeah, don't yeah. want to bore your audience yeah. so, i mean we're probably <laughs> preaching to the choir with most educated artists folks yeah. are not into him at all but i just think on the fundamental basis of what that person represents and people get behind him. I'm shocked. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think that, I think that he's a nebulous character or I think that he's a character that you can project a lot of things on. And I think that there are a lot of people that are Christian that even though he is a peak grabber, 
don't really care because he's sort of he's sort of he's like oh well he got their judges in and he and, did all and the he, conservative and, well things. I was gonna say he made Jerusalem which is like in in biblical terms a uh, a, a, a a good push towards the apocalyptic thing that we were oh, doing yeah, in the yeah. during the, the Iran war or, or the war in Iraq and a lot of that yeah. like like there's definitely a problematic Christian bent that a yeah. lot of people that are in the GOP. Like, you know, back in the Iraq war, there were guns, they were selling guns that had like, uh, you know, um, Christian slogans on it and mm. shit like that. And like, yeah, no, the, I, the, I, the, the I, stuff, like we do stuff like we dip or, or I don't, I know that might be the, the let, let's just not talk about it. Yeah. 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 I, I think we're boring everyone probably, but you know, I but, did, but anyway, why did is, I bring them up? Oh no, the skateboard culture. I was just, again, yeah, I, yeah. I, no, I, it, but I, it, I, but it, but I think that in the, in context of how, in the, of how you brought him up. I think that there's like I think just like there are people that support politicians for the wrong reasons, I think there's a lot of people that are misjudged, you know, because he was saying things that really excited people. Like he was shutting down like he was talking a big game about like being like um like what was it that that he said? He's like the system is rigged. I know because I use it, right? Like oh, yeah, I yeah. think I think that that a lot of people just when with a figure like Trump, you just pick what you like from him right. because he's making such a ruckus and he gets people so angry, yeah. right? That that uh, that it's like like it's almost you almost support him to be a contrarian, and that's where I see a lot of that. Like what you you already made that point, I think. You, like, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. Like, but but yeah, I mean, I think that the the there is like a very scary thing in this country about like the way that we do. Uh, well, it, a oh, lot of stuff. Well, sure. it opened up the freedom for people, like I said, to be racistly mean and chauvinist, yeah. chauvinistically mean. And again, yeah, I, uh, openly for sure. I would definitely yeah. agree with that. So anyway, enough of that. I think everybody knows yeah. what we're saying. Yeah. No. No. Well, uh, again, I just want to be clear. I'm not. And even though skateboarder dudes, that's fine. I'm just surprised that the way they act differently to you. And I've tried to have civil conversations with people. Like, if it's about this, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't even try anymore. I, yeah, I, I, know. I the I, last I know. the last time I did it, I was talking to my friend who was a, a libertarian. Oh well, yeah. See, there's another. Uh, well, no. The thing is that he now he's like completely switched up his politics, and it was really frustrating to try try, try to pin down where he was at now because. He used to be just funny. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> there's that. Like because like libertarians to me they really have no power, so they're just like people huffing in the wind. Just like yeah, or, or, or I almost say no commitment because yeah, yeah, we yeah. are a two-party country. Like you got to pick which side you're gonna move with. Anyway, yeah. Other subjects. So um, the, that's, if that's my thesis, I'm, I'm really just, I think everybody's got the idea. I mean, it, we all grew up with stuff, and it's. I finally feel I'm at a point now at 57 where I'm trying to collaborate in the best of those two worlds and uh, enjoying looking for the answers in different ways in the painting. And, yeah. and it's that allowance to not feel so pressured to... I mean, I think we talked about... It, I, I still have this like Armenian guilt, right? Like mm -hmm. That's what's in me. It's what's, like, what, where does that come from? Oh, you just, is it survivor's guilt? It's like survivor skill. It's also, but it's also like you came all this way to go to college and you became an artist. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So immigrant, the, 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 yeah, the, the immigrant the, guilt thing of like yeah. all my cousins are doctors and lawyers. And again, to my dad's case, he was he stayed in Beirut as the oldest brother in the family, and he supported his brothers that came, like he put them to college to come here to UCLA or whatever, and they became doctors and engineers. And, yeah. Um. 
so when he came here, he just brought his family, you know, he waited for them and he came and he worked here as a construction worker basically for, you know, nine years until he died. Um, but it, just that whole thing of like, you're going to college, you're going to be a graphic designer, right? You're going to be something more yeah, money yeah, making yeah. than you're going to sit in front of an easel and paint your whole life. What? But it's like most cultures, the art thing isn't really trusted as a career move, right? Unless you're really affluent, you can just kind of um, float with it and not worry about money. But um, even coming here to the studio, you know, it's like, all right, you better make this worthwhile. You're here. So it's just more go time. You know, I'm kind of like, it's a good discipline. You know, I think. No, it, it definitely you is. Know, I guess it just, but it's discipline with freedom to sort of move around in the space too. And again, big props to my studio mate, Serge. We've mentioned him and. He's been a dream. I mean, you know, when I, I was on a waiting list on, to get a spot here in Bendix for about six months. And then um, this space opened up. It's about 1,200 square feet. And I needed a partner. And he's in a museum adjacent with me as well. That's another great collective. With uh, You mentioned Max from, is that the same Max from Tam? Yeah, Max that works at Torrance Art Museum is one of the founders of Durden and Ray. Durden and Ray, okay. And, um, the English guy. You know, he's got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a little totally punk. understandable accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding, Max. <laughs> and then Serge, okay, that's a good segue. And then Serge and I were part of TAM Forum, which was a residency at Torrance Art Museum. With Molly Shulman Molly also. Molly Shulman who's was been in on there. The show. Sharon Levy. Dakota Newt. Dakota was in there. Um, Sharon. Dakota, Christina. Oh, we don't list everyone because then we're going to leave someone out. <laughs> well, my point is it was cool. Like yeah. nine of us moved over. Oops, I bumped the mic. Uh, nine of us moved over and made Museum Adjacent as a collective from that. Mm -hmm. And a few dropped off. Kim Mara and Dakota actually left because they got their own careers going. And um, Yeah, yeah D Dakota's fucking taking yeah, off. Yeah, Dakota's going through the <laughs> roof. Yeah. And, and, you know, more power too. And No, no, that's great for him. But while that was going on, I was invited to be part of Dern and Ray, so I joined that too. Yeah. And then you know, He also he also left uh Monta Vista, so I wouldn't take it personally. Oh Dakota, Dakota yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, around the same time I think. Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well and then also the great news is, you know, like Carl Barada who we've mentioned, who's the mayor of the Bendix. Yeah. He's amazing. Amazing, beautiful human. Carl, hope you, you listen does he listen to these things? He's I doubt like, it. He's like, I doubt oh, it. Dude, I, I try. I don't have time. No, you know? I mean, no, like, no. who, who, I, that no, guy has no time for anything. He is amazing. He, the high beam stuff, him and Sean and, you know, Katya and Danny and those guys pull together high beams in such great ways. So there's so many great collective things that happening too that I'm so yeah, stoked yeah. about, you know. So Dern and Ray's, Dern and Ray's great, but it's like you said, you guys are, Monta Vista's about 14. We got 26. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely more of a big collective group of people that can contribute to making something happen easier because there's so many. But, you know, you don't, with COVID, you don't get to see everyone all the time. We're just starting to get back into in-person. Yeah, we're, we're also having, like, we still do meetings. We're mostly a Zoom crew. I, I saw Amanda Mears, who's um, another member of Monta Vista yeah. at a, at a, a open studio yeah and i didn't recognize her because <laughs> i've only seen her on zoom and like so so yeah well it's true that there was some dirt and ray folks that i that you did, didn't recognize yeah but um but yeah i mean this scene is pretty neat i think everybody's really supportive and i think that like um Hold it's it. it's just it's just cool to see so many different people with so many different approaches to like so many different dnas to use your 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 core. Yeah, yeah, but but like but i think it is an interesting idea to because like where do your dnas line up right like yeah in that in that sense and i think that one of the ones that i'm definitely picking up on 
uh, you, Carl, and uh, Justin, like, there is something that having spent time in that city that we have an understanding about mm -hmm. that it's a historical context. It's really hard to like understand what it's like to be in a place that old. Yeah. Right. Like, that's true. like, like yeah. when you're out here, there's nothing that old. And, and yeah, like, you go to yeah. the East Coast and see like 200 year old buildings. But, but yeah, but to see like shit, like the, I mean, dude, well, from from before Christ or before Common yeah, Era. Yeah. Well, and I was fortunate. I went to Morocco. Christian Era. And I went to Morocco when I was in Rome. And yeah, it's even. You know, there's still. I've always wanted to go to Istanbul because that yeah. is like that's where everybody who was a Roman wanted to live. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't go there. Oh no! Yeah, I guess, I guess you can't. Well, I don't. I don't, I don't really want to go there. But, but they wouldn't let you in. Oh, is... you can go in, but. Um, Would I, you be treated I, weird? I don't know about these days, but I definitely know in the late '90s, I had a cousin who went through, and they kind of took his stuff, and um, he had a credit, wow. he had a credit card with Mount Ararat on it. You know, the mountain, the picture. And they gave him all his stuff back, but the the mountain was cut out of the credit card. <laughs> that seems so petty. <laughs> yes and no, though. That, that's the level of deep, yeah. deep, deep. My only problem, why not just not give you the credit card? My I guess only it's problem speaks... with that. No, it's almost like a later jab. I, I guess I've never really met a Turkish person that ever admitted that the genocide happened, and that's kind yeah. of kind of disturbing. I that mean, might, they, they, play, they to, play it off. They're like, that oh, might that's... be to do with like... Uh... Well, if you're old, younger, they're like, oh, that's old history. That's just stuff they talk about. It never, you know. Well, I mean, I'm saying like we don't really study our own genocides as Americans. Educated people do. I mean, we can acknowledge Native American things, at least. People yeah, talk but about that's that. old history. <laughs> well, or current, but or even like... How like it... Yemen and stuff like that. Well, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. like we, don't, we don't openly sit there and think about the horrible things that we do. It's actually really crazy. But wait, uh, but I don't want to leave the topic. Back to the collectives and yeah. the DNA. Generational DNA is also something I'm really interested in, too, in that the artist I've aligned myself with and hung out with in the last, you know, five or eight years. Really, I, I love the younger gen that's coming out that's doing stuff. And I think that's so reflective of culturally what's going on with visual overload with, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, even the JPEG phenomenon and doing stuff on my students, they do stuff on their iPads and digitally create. They'll never get the light source of looking at something and drawing it, you know, because it's backlit on this screen and the colors are, you know what I mean? It's yeah, just yeah. A, so even like this semester, we're doing collage, you know, I physically make them collage things, you know, before they paint it and they want to just do something quick on their digital pad. I'll take both if you're mm -hmm. doing, but I'm like, do it physically too, because then when you go to make that brush stroke or draw that charcoal drawing or whatever, you know, you're just already kind of wired into how to do it. But generationally i'm really fascinated like dakota like 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 serge i mean he's so much younger than me mm -hmm. you know but i don't I, mean, I think we're akin spirits for sure we connect um but back to yeah that's how we met was tam and then we broke off and became a collective and when i needed a studio partner and you know you did his whole thing he he survived that terrible studio fire in yeah. little tokyo so he he had another studio but um this Really allowed him to come. I think he always wanted to be in this building. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's, it's a I, think, I think everybody wants to be. I wanted to be in this building. Yeah, I, I just thought it would never happen because it was got so expensive and so. Yeah. And it's not that expensive, but it just went from kind of a few. Like Habib's the first guy I know. You know, he. Then you know Habib, right? Five, yeah, yeah. five one five. But I mean, he did post off seventh. You know, in mm. downtown forever, and he. That I mean, he's a kingpin. I just think that guy. Yeah, yeah. 
Then even in going back to abstract paintings, there's a lot of painters I just admire so much, and he's really somebody who... Well, I think what makes the community special is that it's all it's all people that are hustling. You know, it's all yeah, people that, that, that for sure. It's like yeah. it's like people that would feel weird if they just came home from work and played video games all day. <laughs> Not that I don't also do that, but you know, don't you do that? I do that like crazy. I do that too much, but at the same time, I do make time for making work. You know, yeah. So, because yeah. because the thing is, I can watch YouTube all day while I make work. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, no, mine is like the schlepping. And, you know, I noticed, I didn't come here on Sunday, and I felt so guilty, but I was like, yeah. I, I finished finals week last week, and I drove to San Diego Friday, and I played a gig on Saturday, and I'm just like, you know, I'm pretty tired. I don't know if I need to go to the studio, <laughs> you know? <it's, laughs> but, yeah. and, and most of us that have a daily job, and we feel like, okay, that's done, now I got to go make the work, I think we have that pressure, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to... It's a hard balance to keep up, and it's hard not to feel guilty about not moving, not pushing that forward every chance you get. I totally relate to that. Well, and then the social media pressure, right? You see people, you know, there's that weird competition of people are doing well. You're sort of like, oh shit, I'm still just trying to make my paintings, you know. But that's true. It's it's a balance because I mean, I do see, uh, I see like the success that Dakota's having. Dakota oh, yeah. Newt, and, and I'm like, fuck, man, all I got to do is, like, work. <laughs> yeah, no, and he's very fortunate. I mean, he has, he has a partner, Christopher, who's also a very, oh, yeah, who a very, very shoot. A, aggressive yeah. artist, yeah. you know, photographer. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I think it's just your agenda. Yeah, and yeah. again, if you uh, are part making a living doing something, like part-time teaching, and you, you make enough and you can put all your time in the studio, that's awesome. You know? Yeah. And then... And that's that's basically the challenge that most people have. Yeah, I think it's everyone, like figuring yeah. out, like it's a it's an entourage of people just figuring out how to keep making work. Well, going back to your community thing, um, aside from the Bendix building, I think the I the, the relationships I've had and met with these folks in the last five ten years have been great. Just because, uh, you know, it's the LA I was curious about and kind of wanted to know. And uh, so you weren't that active in the scene. I before was, but more. Here and there, you go to if someone had an opening, you go to openings. But you know, there was a now time. you're entrenched. I mean, now you're pretty entrenched. Well, I but, see but you. Before that, Andrea and I, we you know, we go out on a weekend and do that thing where you go across town to five different shows. You start mm. at Culver City, you go to Chinatown. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But if you didn't really know people, <clears throat> I mean, it was a great place to meet and hang out and see people. But uh, yeah, but I, I was so entrenched in my college job, to be honest with you, I just really wanted to be a good teacher and build a program. Then I did. Yeah. But it compromised this part, you know. So now I can retire in about five or six years, which is great. <laughs> you know, but, Congratulations uh, on that. You know, you know, I've been at the school 25 years, so it's like, okay, yeah, 30 years you can retire. You know, yeah. it's like, but great job, raised my family. I mean, you know, that's the other thing. I'm a dad. I was prior. But are you only teaching or are you an administrator there as well? No, only, yeah, I, I'm only teaching now. I was okay. department chairs. I've been on numerous committees. I'm still on the hiring committees. and Yeah. Certain things, but the department chair thing will kill you. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Just extra, it's managing. It's extra time. It's like, you know. Yeah, but, where do you, it's like a fourth job <laughs> on but, top but of being the, a musician the, and the, an artist. Yeah, and I was all in that when the budget crisis hit, you know, telling, laying people off. and what, It was tough. But then I went on sabbatical for a year, and I came back just renewed. And, like, all I got to do is teach these beautiful kids that want to learn how to paint. Wow. Yeah. You know. <laughs> And then COVID's been a trip because that was tough as hell for everyone, students and faculty to, you know. Yeah, yeah. I can't well, imagine going to school and fucking paying that much money. I well, would have I would have just fucking asked for my money back. Well, <laughs> the, the, the arc most of us educators have seen is the, uh, 
you know, they probably ended high school remotely. Yeah. And they grew up texting, so they only know this. They know computer screens. Then they may have had a class at the college starting remotely, and now they're just going back and... Per they really don't... I'm not dissing them. I, I'm very... No, it's unfortunate. It's, it's been done to them. I'm empathetically, yeah. like, they don't know how to socialize. Yeah, it's and, been done to them. It's been... It's, it's not something they had any control over. But I, the joy is they've just accelerated and became communities of, you know, like, going out... They came here. They mm. came to the fundraiser. Yeah, yeah, I saw, fundraiser, I saw them. Yeah. They got to see our studio. We're just... Like, that hasn't happened in a while where a group of kids are just like, hey, let's drive downtown L.A. And no. Say, you know. no, they haven't been able to, which is, I'm sure, how a lot of L.A. artists came up. Yeah. 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 Well, so, cool, man. Anything that uh, no, you want to add? Anything that we've left out? Any, no, any I thoughts? hope. <laughs> anything that I cut you off on? You that didn't you cut didn't me get? off. Okay, I hope okay. I've said anything important <laughs> for people to get inspired by. No, no, I'm just very grateful. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Javier. no, this is, this. you should feel confident because this is an all over the place podcast. Sometimes yeah, yeah, we touch yeah, a little politics, yeah. then we, we dip our toe and then we go out. You yeah, know, no, I think yeah. I just. And then, and then the, the skateboarding, I think, is probably, I don't care if it, there are people who are bored by that shit. I'm interested in because I didn't grow up in a scene like that. Oh, yeah, no, like, I, I mean, it, that's like, that's, that's the scene that was uh glorified in the movie that made me want to skateboard which was a movie that was released in italy in the 1980s i forget like it must have been 87 88 uh it like it's uh josh brolin i'm sure you've seen it there's like a big downhill race at the end of it it was like a completely different concept of course it's called thrashing corsal massacro oh well that was thrasher thrashing was yeah movie. thrashing yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so but it was like the subtext is race to the death, oh, race to the <laughs> in, death. in italian corsal massacro so, so that, that movie that... that movie came out and the next day everybody had a skateboard oh, it played damn. on it played on state media and it was like every i went out everybody got a skateboard the next day right so the the, the quote i want to say before we leave was a quote from dizzy gillespie which is Popular culture rises from the bottom, not the top. Yeah. And, you know, he was talking about jazz and blues coming from black slaves to yeah. playing cotton club. But look at punk rock, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like... No, and look at... Or look, look at rap music. I mean, it came Look from, at what happened to Colbert and all these yeah. people that were like counterculture and, and edgy figures that once they start doing really well, it's really hard to be like... when It's really hard to be... A badass when you're comfortable, when you're that comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, all those things like skateboarding, yeah. you didn't know. It's just people that have been loving to do it. And to that point, it's... So, again, I was very fortunate to be friends with the Bones Brigade guys like Lance Mountain, Tony Hawk, Steve Kevlar. Yeah. When they started going to Italy, and that's Stacey Peralta had the foresight to do this thing with skating to make yeah, it yeah. global and really produce. Uh, when they started going worldwide and, like, seeing kids in magazines, like, Riding cobblestone streets with shit, and you're like, oh, that yeah, weird yeah. jacked up ramp they had made. <laughs> well, it's not only co cobblestones, but there, I mean, there are places, there are cities like Florence is a little hard to skate. Uh, yeah. But but Rome has enough asphalt where you can like you and it has great spots. Good. So as a yeah, yeah, as, yeah, especially in the in the Mussolini uh, oh, era, yeah, the, era. What's it called? The, Frat, the, Frati over there or something? Eur is is like the the general area. It's like it's a swamp that he drained and oh. like and then made like into the modernist or futurist. What, what what's the street skating like in Venice? It's uh, <laughs> it's more like surfing, <laughs> skimboarding, and, uh... or like that uh, hydro thing that oh, people yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, man, anything we can promote for you? Uh, 
No. What's your Instagram? What's your... Oh, oh, yeah. My, my Instagram is just my name, Hagop Nigerian. Uh, when I used to read, before I knew you, when I used to read your thing, uh-huh. your name was Hagopian to my... Because <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm dyslexic yeah, yeah. and I... Oh, I could... yeah. Because you saw the... There's, again, there are Hagop, Hagopians. There's Sarkis, Sarkisians. There are Gregor, Gregorians. They put the IA in on the end. Yeah. No, no. I, I wish I could tell you I got a big show coming up, but... um. I mean, Dern and Ray, keep uh, keep uh, look on my posts. I, uh, yeah. I also run the Facebook Dern and Ray stuff. we got a lot of international stuff coming up for the new year. Um, and Museum of Jason, we're trying to get things kicking again. But uh, right now, I'm very fortunate. I just get to play music and paint. and uh, That sounds pretty sweet, man. Live my life. I'm yeah. not going to lie. <laughs> well, no, no. You work hard for it. Like I yeah, said, yeah. it's a choice. My wife and I, Andrea, has been... Well, i got to plug her. She's, I, you know, I found my lid in Armenian culture. We talk, you know, your lid, but... To find someone that also makes art and, you know, loves There's doing... a metaphor in Armenian culture about a jar and a lid. Well, is when it, you find there... your lid, it's like your gaparich, you know, your cap. You're sort of... I've never heard that. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm using hand jive. To... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. No, no and as you know, Andrea's a great artist. And having no, her... she's a great... I've invited her on the yeah, show. She it... was a little shy, so that or she was not ready. I, I think, think. It, was, it was a beard. It was a beard, yeah. No, no, no. She's been extremely busy. I'll... She's like, I have enough Armenian-looking motherfuckers in my life. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you could be his brother. <laughs> no, and then she's got stuff coming up. That's why she's, well, again, she's part-time. Part-timers yeah, yeah. busy, busy right now teaching. But, and anyway, uh, yeah, very fortunate to have a great home. And uh, Yeah, no. And, uh, and then and, my son became an artist. Right? Oh, That's no, the other you thing. fucked you, up, You man. try to beat it out of him, but he's a very <laughs> successful storyboarder. And then my daughter does this great international marketing stuff, translation stuff worldwide. So I'm a blessed man. And thank you. Again, I'm the Bendix is great. The community is awesome. No, this uh, is a great place to be, man. And it's you've always been very friendly and very nice. It's very... Yeah, that's... The, I mean, that guy gets full circle back to the paintings. I, if we have a choice to make images and celebrate something, I'm trying to make some kind of positive you know, optimistic human push forward. Yeah. So I will end on that because... Yeah, I'm also look. in the turn cynicism into something that's nice. <laughs> yeah, no, you're kind of a dark bastard. The more we talk... I'm like, oh, no, I'm dark as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... Uh, I'm surprised I, I wouldn't be here if I didn't start taking medicine. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, I didn't cuss, I didn't cuss much in this thing. So I, guess I, did, I did okay. No, no, I you mean... You cussed I, more than I did. My I wife, do, I my do wife cuss. is like, don't go in there and cuss the fuck out. But I'm like... <laughs> well, you, you fucked it up right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. And then uh, we'll be back next week with another great guest with another topic that may or may not be art related. I, I feel like today was pretty art related. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's okay when it's not. We can edit the excessive parts, I guess. <laughs> anyway, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Javier. And uh, What's My Thesis is awesome. So Thank you, man. I appreciate he, he does, it. He, should, he has no crew, by the way, everyone. You got to put this in there. He, he shows up with a big roll bag and these cameras and tripods. <laughs> And I kind of look good, probably, with this lighting. But, you know, uh, no, no, the sound equipment is incredible. I'm very impressed. So Thank you, man. Bravo, I appreciate man, that. for a solo effort. This is a really great thing. So. Thank you, man. I really appreciate yeah. that. I didn't even know people didn't know it was a solo effort until you told me. Well, I hope I didn't let the cat out of the bag. I mean, wait, he's got a 10-man crew. He pays them all out I of his don't. Pocket. I flog everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bob we'll see Benny, you guys. Bob Benny. All right, hey, happy holidays, everyone. Enjoy your people. <laughs> Peace out. Ciao.